Welcome to the Community Immunity Podcast. Every month, I am bringing you two new guests from the world of spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional well-being to strengthen your own immunity, to invite you to awaken the potential within. My name is Lucia Hargasova, and I am a life and leadership coach. Right. Hello, Tom. Okay, so I'm going to do a little introduction. Welcome to the Community Immunity Podcast. Thank you. I met Tom Savigar around four years ago in a workshop in Montreal while working for one of the biggest shoe brands in North America, actually a global brand called Aldo. And we worked on a great project, igniting the power of communities, actually, and passion behind it, which if I was to simplify, is pretty much what we still do today or what I do today. Now, with a little bit deeper mission. Now, Tom has had a, one of the coolest jobs in my industry, and it's called trend forecasting and making the future happen with the future lab for the world's biggest and, yeah, best known brands out there. And he also is now kind of birthing this beautiful, beautiful new brand called Avancera, which he's going to talk to us more about. But I'm going to start with a simple question. So Tom, what is it you did most of your life? And yeah, especially with what we know now, how can you even try to predict the future? Thank you, Lucia. Yes, no, it's, it has been definitely an interesting sort of period in the last 15 years or so. So yeah, for, for the last 20 years, I've been uh, moving in and out of a field that is around foresight. And it started out very much as sort of cool hunting. I think that was the term in 1996, cool hunting. And then it was prediction and then trend forecasting and then strategic foresight. Essentially, I think that the, the question in my mind, well, the questions in my head have always been much bigger than the answers I could ever think of. So I started out as a women's wear designer but always had a question about who is the customer and why am I designing and what happens if they don't like it and things like the internet were just being born. So there was a lot of changes going on and I was always fascinated and I guess brave enough to be able, and privileged enough to be able to throw myself into the, the early adopter sort of communities of this world. So whether it was magazine culture or fashion or music. But when I sort of noticed that, that this thing could be commercialized or that there was an opportunity to, to be able to work with big businesses that have a lot of responsibility and, and can do great things. 15 years ago, it was very much around PR and communications. It was you, you would help them understand the future. They would then stick that to their brand and they would get coverage and attention and then revenue. But clearly, you know, over those years, things changed. Life got a little bit more severe. Lifestyles were more turbulent and, ec and the economics of things got more tricky. And a lot of those bigger forces, I think, changed the game of, of forecasting. So whether it was sort of analytics and big data, whether it was trying to blend quantum qual research methodologies, there were definitely some constants. And for me, I think in the last 10 years, because my role at the Future Laboratory with Martin and Chris was to very much be client-facing. It was to listen to the, the coalface of decision-making and to see how leaders either digest and move or they, or they reject the changes that were coming. And in the last 10 years in particular, since the last financial crisis, that there was a real sort of sense that the uncertainties were getting larger, the turbulence was building, 
the unknown unknowns as, as it's been as it's been called of were sort of were getting more recognized in some ways and i think when you go in with the right type of content whether it's using data or using visuals or using the right language it can really strike a chord with some leaders and some of the best ex- best experiences i've had is when a sense of bravery and, and a sense of leadership does kick in and the steward of the brand at the time if they've joined a business that's you know sort of has heritage seizes the day and says let's let's go to the future and make it happen and hopefully for the betterment of lots of things but it's certainly an interesting ride and i think some of the every now and then there are also certain sectors that clearly get undone and re-put back together again whether it's the automotive industry or the telecommunications industry or the energy industry i've experienced working with either the leaders in those industries or the the second third ranking businesses and brands that want to be number one and you can see the especially with something like automotive that was such a fascinating transition to sort of take very big companies through and make them realize certain new things about their customers and then rebuild and reset so now it feels like it's a it sort of feels like a combination of lots of the things that maybe before were a little bit early you know you mentioned the work we did together i think it was i think timing is critical for any of this stuff if you get it too early then it's it gets rejected and consumers don't even know what you're talking about if you get it too late then then you become uh, obviously a late adopter so what i'm hearing a lot is the word change and timings and i love the sentence let's go to the future and make it happen and here we are in the world with a lot more obvious needs for change across so many aspects, whether it's personal, professional, economical, environmental, and social. Tom, I'm very curious, what was the inspiration behind your own professional change and the birth of Avansare? Those who know me know that I, I love evidence and I like, I'm very strategic. So I always have a plan B, plan C, plan D that doesn't necessarily get put into a client deliverable. And I think those who know me also know that they're, 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 they're also the things that really excite me. And I think the analogy I, I wrote about on avancera.no was that after hundreds of workshops and dozens of great projects, the post-its that are left on the floor are the ones that are going to come back and bite brands, which is exceeding human needs and within planetary boundaries, which is a mouthful in itself. But there's a big shift happening. And we, we, we all know, we all see it now. So about five years ago, I noticed that projects were getting commissioned, brand purposes were being written, business models were getting rebuilt, strategic shifts were getting authored. And what was the red thread through them was, I think, me and the team at the time, which has obviously evolved over, over the years, I was noticing that people, the leaders of these brands, aren't taking these words very seriously, which is elevating people's lives or enhancing people's lives or building communities of change. Or These are all throwaway comments on a brand purpose statement, but actually were fundamentally huge, you know, UN level huge. So I, I just, I thought to myself, I need to focus on this stuff. And I need to use, in some ways, the privilege I have of of doing forecasting and, and being at the front edge of things or the, the front line of change, but say maybe I need to actually create this change and move people forward, not just be in front of them, which was always the, the gig. You know, you turn up and you present and, and people go, you know, I've never heard of half the stuff Tom's talking about, all the future, future laboratories talking about, to saying, why don't we actually do something about this? So, you know, 
long story short, you know, personal changes, moving to Norway, uh, which obviously is a very particular type of market, not a lot of international brands, but a lot of homegrown uh, industry there. Sustainability is the number one thing. If you're not working in that space, or at least understanding that space and saying that's business as usual, you just don't do work there. And I think the same goes for the Nordic region generally. So that was happening personally, as well as the professional frontline moment where I was just seeing too many of the same posts. It's not being, not having stickers put on them. And I said uh, to myself, yep, I have to do this. And obviously, you know, the Future Laboratory, I've run for 15 years with Martin and Chris, so it was a, a big change. But we're all still friends. And what's, what's the best thing about it is it's almost like it's an annex to the job of forecasting. It's, and Avancera is, is focused on moving people forward to begin with. I'm working obviously with organizations, but I think over time it will poss- possibly go B to L, B to business to leader, where the humans themselves, getting them motivated, creating a sense of urgency, being able to understand the terrain ahead that is what are the human needs that need exceeding within planetary boundaries and what does that even mean? What does regenerative business mean, et cetera, et cetera, pointing them in the right direction. But the big change for me is, is not then treating it as, it as a project, but treating it as a movement, you know, staying with these individuals as they change and their companies change to reach the, t- reach the top of, of this mountain, to use the analogy. So I'm a bit like a mountain guide and the plan is to, you know, is to keep it small to begin with, to focus, to hone hone those people I'm working with um, within companies. But then globally, as we've talked about, Lucia, a lot of people are also saying, I'm also doing this, so, or I'm also experiencing this situation. So it's, I think it's time, time to do this. If I'm a leader listening to this podcast right now and I'm thinking, okay, it all sounds wonderful, Tom, but where does the kind of profit profit comes in so i'm talking about like you know the the co-creation which i'm very passionate about like the purpose together with profit because i can't just you know change Mm. from one day to another i have families to feed i have employees salaries to take care of so yeah where where does this come in well i think that the science and the academia well so the science and the academic population have proven i think over and over again, that you know, business success happens when you satisfy the humans within the equation. So, happy employee, more profitable business. Happy consumer, more profitable business. Happy planet, yes, fundamentally <laughs> profitable business. Because without those, those, without the human and the planet being looked after and hopefully being elevated, you have a stranded asset. Like we can see with British Petroleum right now, they are making a lot of people redundant. A lot of industries fundamentally are now stranded because of their, their assets or what they, they see. So for me, this is fundamentally about looking at the properties, looking at the mindset, looking at the lexicon, looking at the models and saying there are certain things you have to now adopt and you have to understand to create enduring value for yourself and others. So if you don't adopt these new things, and this is well written about with all of the books that are coming out, as well as some of the oldies, the theory's there. It just hasn't got the voice uh, or hasn't had the voice before. But now I think in the stark contrasting experience of something like COVID-19, a lot of people have had a little bit of time to think, a little bit of time to pause and reflect and hopefully start to think about that resetting. So I think the timing for me was, I didn't obviously plan it it mid-pandemic, but 
the timing couldn't be better because a lot of people feel quite vulnerable. And that's a, that's a great moment to be honest and to be transparent and say, how does your business actually fare up against these future properties and mandates? And to use the mountain analogy, you know, it is about saying you might have the wrong type of backpack. You might have the wrong type of boots. You might not be fit enough mentally, maybe not always physically, but mentally to be able to handle the changes that are coming. So in some ways, you know, the, the process is about saying to a leader, let's not, we're not all going to turn into tree huggers. We're not all going to become academics. This is about business. It is about using, leveraging the responsibility of enterprise because it is the biggest lever for change to create the, for example, meet the SDGs by 2030. Business has to realize that it has the power to really move fast and do this because ultimately 7 billion people can be motivated through consumerism in the right way. So I think there's, you know, I, I often get frustrated and having read a lot of the books around happy, happiness and sustainability and regenerative business and doing the right thing by nature, I think it is about a business conversation, but amalgamating the two together, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it totally does. And I also feel that you know, coming from a background of, you know, being in a marketing senior leadership roles, I felt <laughs> a need to go and retrain as a coach because I didn't have the right skills and expertise to handle some of the pressure or to mm. make, you know, aligned decision to my values or, you know, to really tap into my own potential to, to do the best I can, not only for myself, but for those around me. And I think it's just because it is possible and I also think, and I would love to have uh, your point of view on this, I also think that the companies and the businesses have a great responsibility because we know with the great power, which is you know the size of the business, the amount of people they employ, employ, they have a great responsibility to be the change we want to see in the world as much as the kind of individuals, so both individual and collective. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, it shouldn't feel like you have to, well, you will have to, I think businesses are going to get mandated and penalized if they don't over the next 10 years. I think, you know, the Green New Deal is a prime example of the EU saying, and various governments saying, you wanted all this money for a bailout. There are terms and conditions, right? Come back environmentally friendly. And that I think speaks to the CFOs out there because then they're then saying, well, we are a risk. Our whole business model is at risk. But fundamentally, I think, you know, I don't want to forget my training, you know, with Martin and Chris at the Future Laboratory is, you know, making something exciting and actually attractive and that you want to be a part of and using, you know, for example, the, the, the language of design and creativity and imagination and innovation. You know, a lot of people maybe think, well, that's nothing to do with my job. I working in finance or strategy or well, that is quite creative but you know maybe that's not the kind of language that's often used but actually business should be thrilling and not just because of the monetary return but it should feel like that change as usual to use a john elkington term change as usual is a, is a can be positive it doesn't have to be unnerving and strange but obviously you know we can't all live in a utopian bubble where where that sort of the, I call it mental liquidity, that, that ability to be able to think like that because we have time. Most of us don't. Most of us have a boss. Most of us have deadlines. Most of us have stakeholders and shareholders who want something in three months. 
yes, we can read the books and say, I should be long-termist and I should be a system thinker and I should, you know, all these new skills to thrive and survive and all these kind of terms. But fundamentally, it will click over and the early adopter leaders out there, it will become mainstream. MBAs will rebuild and it will be normal for people to do this. So the timing is, is interesting because for me, I think for me it was, I have to use boredom very carefully, but the boredom of repeat, present, repeat, present, repeat, and knowing that leaders are nodding in audiences when I presented going, yes, completely agree, but knowing only 1% are brave enough or have the, the, the ability, the permission to change their, their own business. And even if it's not theirs. So I think as in they own it. So I think there's, there's a time and a place for this to happen. And unfortunately, something like COVID-19, you know, it does cause change and it does cause people to say, you know, what the F were we thinking? We were completely unprepared, never again. And I saw a great illustration the other day, which was COVID-19 as a, as a, as a, as a sort of a, a wave hitting a beach. And then behind it was the economic recession. And then behind that was climate change. So I hope that this is some, some people, the optimists out there have seen it as a dress rehearsal for climate change because we need to have a flattening of other curves, right? Tom, I love that we are finishing off, um, you know, such an important note, but also, you know, with this idea that this transformation and, and this change can be exciting and, and it can be motivating and it can be inspiring. And you don't actually have to know all the answers, but you know, connecting with experts like you who have perhaps, you know, a few steps ahead on, <laughs> on the way to the top of the mountain and perhaps leading with a little bit of the torch. Yeah, it's, it's important. And I think I'm super excited that I got to talk to you and then we hopefully have inspired a few of the listeners and that they can get the opportunity to connect with you directly. And yeah, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share it, or tell a friend about it. Until next time.